Good morning. Welcome to the Social Collectives Podcast. We are now on episode 31. (laughs) That's my favorite part. So today our guest is Scott Brinzer with Brinzer Consulting, and actually today is his work anniversary of seven years. So happy anniversary, Scott. Thank you. Happy to be here today. Yeah, we're really happy to have you. Scott is a CFO. Now, that's another acronym. As a small business owner, you learn to, you know, adjust to the acronyms in your vocabulary. CFO is a really important one. Can you tell us a little bit about what is a CFO, Scott? Sir, a CFO is a chief financial officer, which sounds very important, uh, especially when you're dealing with large companies. And their job really is to be a financial steward of the business, making sure that they are looking in terms of long-range goals. Uh, They're being fiscally responsibility with the company funds. A lot of times they're the forward face of dealing with shareholders or business owners. And so they sort of take that senior financial position to ensure that everything is going as smoothly as it should be. So you're basically ensuring the company's financial health. Correct. Okay. So can you discuss a little bit about how you create and maintain financial plans and as well as how you analyze the financial data to identify trends and potential areas of improvement? Sure. So with small businesses, obviously, this gets a little bit changed in that when you have a large company with, say, lots of people or you're maybe on Wall Street or things like that, you know, the CFO is constantly analyzing the financial reports, things like the profit and loss statement, uh, the earnings payouts, uh, perhaps the balance sheet, all to ensure compliance with maybe local regulations uh, as well as the SEC and things like that. But on a smaller level, um, which was what we deal with here in Loudoun County quite a bit, you know, you are constantly looking as a forward-thinking, role-playing part of the company. So you obviously are analyzing the data that comes in from the checks that you've cut and the money that has come into you. And you want to sort of take that and use that to maybe budget and forecast, to think ahead, to plan ahead. Um, Obviously, if COVID has taught us anything, it's that uh, things change in an instant. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's better to have some type of a plan in place. And from that plan, you're able to then monitor how close are we to our goals? Are we hitting our marks? Uh, Why aren't we hitting our marks? You know, what's preventing us from expanding our market reach and things like that? A CFO these days, there used to be back in the day, there used to be a chief financial officer and a chief operations officer. Within the last 10 to 15 years, those roles have combined, especially even in, even in small to mid-sized businesses, where if you simply make decisions based on what the numbers are telling you, uh, it could obviously impact operations. You know, hey, it looks like our overhead's really high. Well, let's go ahead and cut three or four positions. All of a sudden, who's left to do the work? <laughs> Subsequently, if you don't understand how the business runs and flows and the impacts uh, and decisions that you may make out in the field, you don't know how that translates back into the numbers. So you sort of want to take that thousand foot view and be a financial person who can understand how the business works and flows and then translate that into the numbers and then translate that back to ownership to say, hey, here's the trends that are happening uh, within our business structure whether our prices uh, are right, um, perhaps the economies, as we've discovered with the banking industry that just happened, you know, there are things that are affecting us. Um, so we have to prepare for those. Budgeting and forecasting is a huge responsibility, as is cash management. 
I deal with contractors all the time who, you know, they get that first big deposit when they're doing a job and, hey, I'm, I've got money in the bank. Things are good. Well, that's, you know, that may have to last you two months. Uh, you may have to buy materials with that. You're going to have to have payroll, some overhead costs. So planning and forecasting really comes into fact there. Well, I mean, that pretty much covered what I was about to ask you about how you can assess and manage financial risk within the company, such as market volatility, credit risk, and operational risk. So can you discuss the importance of accurate and timely financial reporting, as well as various regulatory compliance requirements that companies must adhere to? So with small businesses, obviously getting the data is key. So obviously I work with QuickBooks quite a bit. QuickBooks these days, you know, can download all of your transactions uh, from the bank account or from your credit card statement. And then having somebody who can input that data into QuickBooks so that you can run your reports gives you that sort of real-time snapshot as to how the business is actually doing. It's not really uh, timely if you don't have your books up to date and it's three or four months down the road and you discover that there could be a huge problem where maybe you overpaid somebody or someone didn't pay you that you thought paid them. So that could impact cash flow. Obviously, just, again, having the data and having a timeliness of that allows you, the business owner, to make better business decisions. So as far as technology and finance, technology is increasingly important in finance. So from the use of financial software to the rise of blockchain and cryptocurrencies, can you discuss how technology is impacting finance and the opportunities and challenges it presents? Well, it certainly presents a lot of challenges, and sometimes you're not even sure how they impact you. For instance, we've had the situation with the Silicon Valley Bank. Now, we don't have a lot of those here in Loudoun County uh, in terms of Silicon Valley Banks, but these days the world is so interconnected, you really don't have any idea as to you know what your business may be impacted by. Case in point, I had a client who uses a third-party bill-paying system to pay all of our sub-vendors. And unbeknownst to us, that bank was actually processing all of the transactions through SVB. So we we found out about a week and a half later when none of our vendors got paid after we had submitted payments that, okay, this bill payer system that we were using, you know, obviously had a serious financial issue. And even though they had taken our money, we're not able to pay that forward because the bank had, you know, the situation that came up with SVB. So with the world being so connected, you never are quite sure what exactly is going to impact you. But in terms of financial reporting, um, obviously things like QuickBooks, uh, Wave, Gusto Payroll, you know, payrolls out there that can make things a lot easier for you, just increase the efficiencies, cut down on the number of mistakes, especially since a lot of these softwares talk to each other. Certainly makes my job a lot easier because uh, I know where the information's coming from. It's easier to see it download into QuickBooks. And of course, there from there, our team can, can put it into the right buckets and categories. So software has been a huge boon to accounting. Um, I have clients that are up and down the East Coast, not just here in Loudoun County. I've got even one out in the West Coast a little bit that I deal with. So having the ability to Zoom and talk to that type of person, uh, you know, once a week or something like that, technology has been wonderful. I even had a situation one time where I was printing checks for somebody, left the office, got a phone call saying, hey, we missed a couple. I pulled over to the side of the road, pulled out my QuickBooks app. I said, go over to the printer, put some check stock in. And I was 15 miles down the road and printing his checks for him. So uh, technology has certainly helped the accounting industry. We're no longer using uh, pen and paper. Obviously, it cuts down to mistakes as long as the software is working like it should. So technology has been a huge boon to financial reporting as well as financial fiscal responsibility. Oh, thank you for that. So as far as corporate strategy, 
CFO plays a key role in the development and execution of a company's strategic plan, right? Yep. So can you discuss the involvement in the process and how you use financial data to inform strategic decisions? So again, going back to how COVID has impacted us greatly over the last couple of years, I'm a big fan of obviously creating some type of a budget, some type of a forecast, whether it's a cash management forecast or looking at the business from a financial reporting standing, you know, hey, here's what we think our year is going to look like. It gives you a benchmark to do some comparisons to, to make sure that, you know, hey, are we looking better this year compared to last year, quarter versus quarter? If your industry is cyclical in nature, obviously you want to plan for those peaks and valleys. So using the financial reporting, a good CFO strategist can sit down with a business owner and say, here's the analytics on how I think your company is progressing. We're comparing that to previous years. We're comparing that to a budget. All of that just gives the business owner a better decision-making ability. It's data-based. It can be based on the, on the numbers that we actually are seeing as well as what we think is going to happen. Okay, thank you. Now, this isn't something that we at Artisan have. We don't have investors. But the CFO is often the primary point of contact for investors and analysts. Can you discuss your role in managing these relationships and communicating the company's financial performance to external stakeholders, like any sure. investors? or Sure. And even I'd throw in bankers there as part of that as well. Okay. Um, obviously, for, um, from a business standpoint, I'm a big fan of getting things like lines of credit uh, so that your business can be prepared for those ups and downs. So every banker out there is going to want to see a set of solid financial statements. They're going to want to see what your forecast looks like. They want to make sure that uh, the money that you're using is going to be spent in a proper manner. They want to know how you want to use that money in the future. And then having the ability to talk to, like you said, investors, whether you're bringing on a new business partner, they're going to want to make sure that your financials are, are well done. I actually had a case where a couple of years ago, I flew down to Atlanta. One of my clients wanted to buy a bed and breakfast. So if you're looking to obviously grow your business, you're going to be wanting to look at someone's financials. This gentleman had been running his bed and breakfast for about 20 to 25 years and had gotten very well at hiding all of his money from the IRS in a legal standpoint. Uh, but obviously, when it came time to sell that business over to somebody else, the bank and my potential customer were unable to finalize the deal simply because the financials were not in a condition that the bank felt confident lending us the money to, to purchase the business. So having the ability to explain the financials to investors, to bankers, to potential buyers, potential partners. Uh, that's a huge thing that a CFO does. Let's face it, a lot of business owners start a business because they're really good at what they do. But the numbers aspect of it confuses quite a lot of people. They don't have time for it. They don't understand it like they should. So having someone like myself come in there and sort of bridge that gap, so to speak, can be very valuable. Well, I hadn't even thought about that. That's very interesting. That's a really cool thing that you do. Okay, so as far as building your own team, your talent management. What are some skills that you look for when you're hiring your financial professionals? Well, I would say integrity is the number one key. Uh, when you are dealing with the financial aspects of the business, whether it's just dealing with the bank accounts or if you're dealing with payroll and things like that, you have access to some very sensitive information. And we've all heard about the data hacks from just about every company out there these days. And we've also heard horror stories of people who have taken payroll tax money or embezzled company funds, things like that. Just had a situation with uh, another client who, you know, unfortunately had some check stock stolen and, and a sub vendor was, was getting a hold of our bank account money. So integrity is first and foremost in my mind. 
And then the ability to, depending on the type of level of expertise you're looking for, obviously someone who is attention to detail, uh, you want to make sure that things are being categorized in the right bucket. And then from there, I think it comes down to experience. Dealing, you know, as a consultant, I'm pretty, I'm going to say agnostic when it comes to the type of industries that I deal with. I have clients that range from a dog training to professional services, to general contractors, uh, things like that. And I think there it comes down to experience. You know, what may work in one sector, not everything would cross-pollinate like that, but certainly you can step into somebody and say, hey, look, I've seen this situation before in another industry that I think we can pull four or five things from and, and give you that insight into processes and procedures. All right, so social responsibility. Companies are increasingly expected to be more socially responsible. Can you talk about how you can ensure that the company's financial operations align with its values and contribute a positive social impact? Yeah, I think a lot of times the company itself has to establish, you know, what's its social responsibility, I can't say that word, responsibility (laughs) mantra going to be. And then, of course, you know, what reflects their values. Is that giving back to the community in terms of a donation, monetary or time? Obviously, having a company these days that is a little bit more green makes everybody a little bit happier. And there's some industries that can and can't get away with that, obviously. But I believe it comes down to having a company philosophy and then instilling that. And that probably comes from the top down, uh, although sometimes it is driven by the employees that are working there. But that needs to you know, flow throughout the whole company. And I think once that idea or that thought process is involved, from there, it's a little bit easier to put you know, some money behind that, so to speak, donate to certain charities or give to certain charities, perhaps integrate your company with a certain charitable foundation that gives back its time and money. Can you discuss your thoughts on the future of finance, including emerging trends, new technologies, and the evolving role of finance professionals? Well, I think uh, given what we've seen with uh, the SVB situation, uh, there's always going to be situations where, you know, the economy is going, especially with COVID, you know, the economy is going to take a lot more bumps, uh, some that we have planned for and some that we haven't. I mean, who would ever have thought that the world would have shut down for, for as many months as what it did? And so I think the role of a finance person, you need somebody who can, like I said, do that budgeting and the forecasting to help plan for a rainy day to meet with business owners and discuss, hey, what is our plan? Does that mean that we should start stockpiling money away? And there are different ways for businesses to invest in the future from obviously buying the building that you're working in so that you own an asset to, again, putting money into savings accounts or doing some other investments, putting some of that money back into the community, using that money that the company has gotten from their profits to reinvest back in themselves with either better personnel, more training, company vehicles, things like that. But having somebody who is a finance person who can sit down and sort of take their time and go through the numbers, let's face it, as a business, as a small business owner, especially, you are pulled in a multitude of directions. Uh, You are sometimes the marketing person. You are sometimes the salesperson. You're the person everyone wants to talk to when something goes wrong. You're the person everyone wants to talk to when it goes right. You've got to get out there and market. And sometimes you even have to be the person who does the work. Who's going to be paying the bills? Who's going to be minding the store while you are out there doing what you do best? So having a competent financial person who's in your back pocket, who can 
even if it's just once a week or a couple of times a month, sit down with you and say, hey, here's what the trends are looking like. Here's what I'm seeing across the data, you know, as we're looking at the various softwares that we are using, both for sales, for marketing, and of course, for financial purposes, just gives you, in my mind, a true business partner that allows you to do what you do best, knowing that someone's minding the store, so to speak. Wow. Well, I feel really good about it because you are somebody that our family trusts. We've used you in the past. And I know that when we went through the shutdown at, you know, in Artisan Plumbing, there were so many different questions about banking and the PPP loans and, and everything. And you really pulled through for us. I mean, it was amazing having you on our team. Well, thank you. And, and I, and as, as far as that goes as well, the small banking, like, I feel like, and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but the small banks really pulled through more quickly than the bigger banks. Is that correct? It certainly seems so at the, at the start. And I think the key to that is actually knowing who your banker is, mm-hmm. um, whether it's a small community bank or whether one of the larger well-known banks uh, that has their names out there. It's always important to know who your banker is. When you're dealing with a small business, you, you never know when you might need that loan whether it's to bridge a, a gap of expenses that you or a downturn that you need to cover, or if you're looking to grow, or if you're looking to buy a building, buy some vehicles, things like that, it's important to know who your banker is. And during the times of the PPP loans, yes, it did seem like the smaller community banks were a little bit quicker to get those processed. Uh, and it did help that you could walk in into the branch manager and talk to him and he knew about your business and things like that. So uh, to me, establishing a solid connection with your banker, whether it's big or small, is probably the key there to helping any small business out. Yeah, well, we were very happy with our, our situation during that time frame. And as an admin in a Facebook group, I saw so many people that weren't having that same experience. For us personally, going with a small local bank And having you on our team really made everything so smooth. It was quick. We were taken care of so well. And I hated to see all the other small businesses struggling with all the different situations that they had and and the confusion because they didn't have anybody to guide them through it. Yeah. And and to that point, again, I think it goes back to having a good financial plan, uh, making sure that you're books are up to date so that when the bank does ask for those financials, you can turn those around in a very timely manner, which allows the bank to then go ahead and submit those forms on time. So I was super happy with our ROI on using you because you actually saved us money, found money that we didn't know we had. And there were all kinds of ways that we benefited financially from having you in there. Um, We were just talking earlier before the podcast about letting people go and how hard it is to retain employees. So can you tell us a little about what your advice is to your clients? Yeah, and again, I think as a CFO, you have to take that top-end view of looking at everything in the business, not just the numbers. You want to make sure that your process and procedures are in place, that you're being efficient, that you're not spending money where you shouldn't be. Some of that obviously bleeds down into, you know, talent uh, and the employees that you have working for you. So you want to make sure that you've got a good healthcare plan, that you've maybe got a good 401k, that you've got some good benefits who are lined up. Keep the employees happy, that there's actually a process where year over year they can expect some type of a raise. Maybe there's a year-end bonus if your numbers are tracking well enough that you can reward them. So again, the CFO's job is to really get in there and understand how the whole business is going, not just from the number standpoint. I tell a lot of people that I spend more time working on processes and procedures, making sure that the information is flowing correctly, giving that information back to the business owner in such a manner that they can understand it quickly. I had a business owner tell me one time, everything that I need to remember, 
better fit on a sticky note because that's how much time I have to look at it, <laughs> at least on a weekly basis. And then obviously once a month, we'd sit down and review the financials. Wow. Um, so for that business owner, we stripped it down to, hey, here is the number that you have to hit in sales every month. And he carried that sticky note around in his truck. And every sale that he make, he would cross it off and put the new number. Oh, wow. He knew once that he hit that number, it was basically icing on the cake, so oh to speak. My God. That would work and, for me. That would work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but it gave him a one simple, hey, here's the goal every month. Here's yeah. the only number that I need to track on a day-to-day basis. And then obviously once a week, a couple of times a month, he and I would sit to discuss the financials uh, or cash flow or things like that. So having the ability to sort of, uh, I want to say simplify that. Uh, and that's actually the tagline in my motto is uh, financial possibility. Well, actually, I forget what it says. <laughs> uh, something about uh, business possibility through financial simplicity. I, I guess I don't say it enough. Um, well, it's a great tagline. I love yes, it. Yes, yes. Uh, but the idea is, again, as we mentioned, business owners are pulled in a multitude of directions. Uh, so having them being able to you know, look at a financial statement. One of the first things that I oftentimes do for people is come in and I rearrange the way the financial reporting looks like mm. so that they can very quickly see, well, how much does it take just to turn the lights on? Uh, how much is my direct uh, salary costs mm-hmm. as well as some of the, you know, the benefits, things like health insurance and 401k and things like that, because they add up. And then from there you can determine, well, am I charging the right rates because am I covering the right buckets that I should be covering? Mm-hmm. So, you know, having the ability to sort of simplify the financial statements allows the business owner to sort of look at that and say, yep, I understand what's going on here. I can see some comparisons. I can go about my merry way knowing that I've got a few key goals or key metrics to try to hit. Mm -hmm. And then once a month, we talk about the big stuff. Oh my God, you know what? I actually have some Post-it notes in my purse. Um, the other day, Cindy, Cindy Skinner, Hermes, she gave me a Post-it note booklet and it actually had a crocheted butterfly Oh, cover for it. So I actually have like a real actual post-it note binder. <laughs> All right. Um, I expect to see them on your dashboard. I, you know, my goal number is going to be on there and I'm carrying yes, it around. Yes. But um, so can you tell us, Scott, about, I know when I thought of CFO, I thought, yeah. you know, like billionaires yep. and really wealthy people. So I mean, obviously. Big, big letters. Yeah. That are, that are kind of intimidating. Yes, they are. Uh, and and l- yes, a lot of times the CFO ends up being the guy who gets their name in the paper for doing all the things wrong with these bigger companies as well. But I think small businesses can really benefit from having somebody who, like I said, comes in and sort of gives that, you know, we're able to step back and, and disassociate the the passion that the business owner has with the business and sort of being, you know, hey, this is my baby and I'm going to live and die by it. And again, I get involved, every client that I ever deal with, their business is my business. I want to see them succeed. I hurt when they hurt. My job is to try to get ahead of the curve and figure out, hey, you know, why is this happening? And and the best ways forward that I can help you figure that out. Sometimes that means taking that step back and saying, okay, I can come at this from an analytical approach. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not so wed to the fact that, hey, we've got to keep doing it because that's the way we've always done it. Time and technology is obviously a huge factor into changing the way we've done things in the past. Certainly from a plumbing standpoint, Mm -hmm. we're we're doing things plumbing-wise a little bit different in 2023 than we were in 1900. Right. (laughs) Things like outdoor plumbing and things like indoor plumbing. we're not trading furs. (laughs) Yes, we're not trading furs, exactly, (laughs) uh, or pelts. Um, And so I think having someone, you know, who is a financial uh, steward, so to speak, 
who can look at that and say, hey, I think these are areas that we need to really hone in on. You know, are we, are we getting the best return on our investment for marketing? What type of marketing plan do we have? Mm-hmm. Do we have a good employee retention plan so that our company can grow with the people that we've got uh, who have invested their time and money and we reward them, making sure that our business is tracking in the right way? Let's talk about future goals. You know, what you're doing now could be different than what you're doing in four to five years. How do you get there? How do you plan for that? Again, that's where a good bank could come in and say, hey, we're going to give you a line of credit so that you can grow. It's always a good idea to get a line of credit when you don't need a line of credit Mm -hmm. uh, so that you can sort of be ahead of the game. So when I first started out uh, and I threw the name out there of of being a CFO for hire, I did get a lot of perplexed looks and a lot of people were like, well, that, that sounds like something a small business doesn't need. And so when you start explaining some of the things that you do and it sort of gives them that insight into their numbers truly because they don't have time to do it, it sort of opened up their eyes a little bit to saying, hey, this is somebody that, you know, I can work with. Obviously, uh, CFOs get the rep of having a, a hefty price tag with them as well. But having a fractional CFO, someone who can, again, come in, analyze the business from a number standpoint, and then get to know your business so that they can make those decisions with you, just gives you, like I said, better insight as to how your business is running what you can do to grow. And let's face it, small business owners, uh, the spouses oftentimes get the bad rap of listening to the business owner complain about their business left or right. And, and they sometimes don't want to hear that. So having someone who can act as a sounding board, who can say, you know what, I've, I've seen this happen in another industry or I've been involved in your industry. And so there are trends that you know I've noticed as well just becomes a valuable business consultant to, to a small business owner. See, that's amazing. Even just listening to you, I'm thinking about just the number of businesses who have tons of hats to wear and just hearing you asking all of these questions that just come naturally to you because you've been in the business so long. To me, as a small business owner, those are not things that I'm thinking about. (laughs) And it's nice knowing that you have somebody on your side like yourself who is constantly thinking about your future and how you can help yourself and how you can help me do that. Sure. And, and and as I'm sure as every small business out there has come to realize, it's more than just hanging your shingle out there. There are things to think about like insurance, uh, insurance audits, getting payroll done, making sure that you've turned your things in over to the tax man, so to speak. All those things that a good accountant or an outsourced accounting person can help you at a fraction of the cost, obviously. And I hear it all the time. Some small business owners, they're like, I'm working so hard. I'm working twice as hard as this year as I did last year, but I'm not making any more money. I'm making the same amount of money and I'm working twice as hard. So there's something going on there. I mean, at the end of the day, we're all trying to make money. And as a business owner, you really need to have somebody who does understand money, who understands the trends, who understands the market to advise you. So for a business owner that's working twice as hard and not making any more money, is there any specific tip or advice you'd give them? Well, I think it comes down to, again, under, and, and each industry obviously is, is different that I deal with. But And, and from an industry-specific standpoint, obviously I'm not going to understand everything about plumbing mm-hmm. other than when it backs up, I call your husband. <laughs> uh, and uh, they come running. But uh, yeah, I think it's important to, like I said, that's where someone like myself can come in and help you really understand, hey, perhaps I don't have all of my costs captured in such a manner that allows me to, to price point what I'm selling. 
you know, costs could have gotten up. You know, materials have gone up, obviously, over the last couple of years since they were hard to find mm -hmm. through COVID. Uh, so making sure that you're pricing things correctly, uh, making sure that you've got all of your, alloc your, your costs allocated to the right buckets is a huge, you know, could impact the bottom line there very significantly if you're not watching things like that and adjusting your prices accordingly. Yeah. So one of my pieces of advice that I gave, and I have zero financial <laughs> education at all. <laughs> I don't think I've ever managed a checkbook ever. But one of my tips was, if you hate one thing that you're doing in your business, that's your least favorite thing to do, then charge double for that than what you're charging now and find the thing that you love doing the most and give it a little break. So you're doing more of what you love. You're still making a profit. You're doing less of what you hate, but you're making way more money doing what you don't like doing. And so this person actually did that and it did help them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, as I tell my kids every day, I've got 16-year-old uh, twin boys. I'm like, if you find something that you enjoy doing, it's not really work. You've, you've heard that adage before. And I, I love, yes, I love playing with numbers and spreadsheets and things like that. But, uh, you know, working with the businesses, trying to help them figure out how to grow, that's the best part of being a CFO. Um, you know, it's really helping those small businesses, like I said, you know, have, have their day in the sun. Uh, the more they grow, the better off uh, things are for everybody. Helping, you know, the more businesses stay in business, the community does better as well. And I think we could all use that these days a little bit. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think to what you were saying, Lisa, if you're struggling and you're finding that you're not getting the results that you want, I think it's imperative that you invest in your company and hire someone like yourself, Scott, to take a look at the things that we may not be seeing. And then you will be able to open our eyes and say, hey, look, these are the things that we can change in the future. And I think they're going to have a positive impact. Yep. Yep. Um, case in point, I was working with a restaurant many years ago. And the first thing I noticed when I walked in was, you know, if I go to a chain restaurant and I get a lunch, they're charging three or $4 more than what you're charging. And it's nice that you have this niche restaurant, so to speak, but your prices are so behind where everybody else is at these right, days. And just that one little tweak made them a lot more money, obviously. Mm -hmm. Well, I remember when we tried to raise our, well, we did, we raised our rates and David hadn't raised the rates in like 14 years. <laughs> so now <laughs> as far as like being in the, you know, where we are now, not trading pelts and furs and things, David would still trade pelts and furs. And so <laughs> I'm like, uh, David, <laughs> we need to raise our rates. So he actually would not raise the rates. And it was a few years ago. It was like maybe five years ago, but he would not raise the rates. And so I just reached out to the office and I said, we're raising the rates starting right now, as of today, David doesn't know. Just make it happen. Um, and so, <laughs> David still may not know, but it's okay. <laughs> right, 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 right. He'll fight, he'll figure it out. So we because he was he was like ah uh, you know and it was fine and we hadn't raised him in fourteen years and I was like this is why you're working so hard, David. You have to raise your rates. Sometimes you do have to raise your. You never want to price yourself out of the market, sure. but you do have to be able to pay your bills and you have to make it worth it. Your time has to be valuable. And as a business owner, and, and I'm going to throw out a couple of accounting uh, terminology here that will sound a little nerdy, but you know, there's two ways of looking at a business. There's the accrual basis and there's the cash basis. Obviously cash is king. Hey, money's coming in the door, money's going out the door. But I oftentimes work what I call accrual basis. And what I mean by that is, let's say I send somebody an invoice here in March and I run my financials. If I'm working on an accrual basis, that revenue is going to show up in the month of March. 
Now they could pay that bill in April, they could pay that bill in May. That's the cash basis sides of it. Oftentimes I tell people, we're gonna look at all of our reports on an accrual basis because if this is what your month over month costs are and you're not making enough money to even cover that, that's problem number one. So having the ability to sort of drill down into that data to set your financials up in such a way that, you know, the business owner can look at that and say, yes, you know what? I can see my margins are getting thinner. Let's go back to the supply house. Oh, hey, they've increased their costs. Unfortunately, I have to pass that along to the consumer. Right. Yeah, we we realized that as well. Over the past few years, all of the, the prices have been going up on parts significantly. Yep. And David had not raised the rate. And so he actually figured that out and did raise all the rates and get back up to where the market standard was for these parts. But I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many things to know about business, about especially when you're in something like it's not me selling my time, I'm selling parts, I'm selling a product. Um, You really have to stay up to date on that. David's lucky to have you because had he done it on his own, Lord have mercy. This man, I'm telling you, he is so lucky to have me. I think there's a lot of... (laughs) (laughs) And that's the true meaning of the podcast, people. Uh, (laughs) And he knows it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there who don't have, you know, you were talking about, you know, spouses and and, and significant others who may not be able to communicate with you about what your business is about. Sure. So they're not going to be able to give you that advice. Yep. It often does take an outsider to either A, push you in a direction or give you the permission to do so. Some people just kind of need the permission to say, okay, I can raise my rates or I need right. to do something. They they know they should, but they need the word from somebody else. It's a shot in the dark unless Absolutely. they have an expert telling them sometimes that they, that's the right move. Yeah, and, and I think every business owner out there struggles with that. I mean, you want to make sure that you're not, you know, taking advantage of your, of your customers or like you said, pricing yourself out of the market. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you have to realize what your costs are. And that could be because you've brought on more overhead or you've increased your, like you said, the cost of certain materials have gone up. Those are things that are sort of out of your control. And I think as consumers, we all understand year after, you know, year over year, the cost of living goes up a little bit every time. So we expect some type of a natural increase in some of our, our prices. But again, without really diving into the business numbers to understand, hey, you know, where am I leaking money? Are my margins the right margins that they should be? Mm-hmm. Have things gone up? Have I brought on more staff? Am I growing as a company? All of those things sort of play into, like you said, working smarter, not harder. So your client base is pretty much 1 million to 5 million annually. Yes. So you're not working necessarily with a startup. Startups are hard uh, simply because uh, a lot of times that, that, you know, that money flow uh, that's coming through for that, even though it is important. And I've worked with a few startups in the past to sort of just help them set where their expectations should be. Um, But it is, startups are very hard. And as most business owners who start a business find out, like I said, there's more than just, hey, here's the job that I do. There is things like insurance and payroll and audits and thing and dealing with the bank and things like that. So those are all things that you know. Obviously, someone like myself could help them at least give them some ideas to 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 understand, so they go into it with a little bit more of eyes wide open. But typically, I work with businesses that are looking to grow that maybe have been established for a year or two, and you know they've they've grown. Maybe they're at five to ten people now, and they've sort of hit that little cusp of you know, hey, we're really trying to make the next jump. Do we have the right people in place? Do I have the right systems and the right processes and, and ability to grow? Some companies obviously take off and they don't have those in place and then the business struggles. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's always nice to work with companies that are looking to grow 
And I find those in that million to $5 million mark that, uh, that are looking for the next step. Do you do any one-offs? Like, is there anything that you have like a package where you come into somebody, you look at their stuff like for one week and you're like, okay, this is my advice. And then that's it. Yep. Yep. I do audits. Uh, that's probably the best way to describe it is I'll come in and we'll analyze, uh, you know, that oftentimes means sitting down with a business owner, maybe a couple of the principles, just so you can get a full comprehensive view of the business, a full 360 view, dive into the financials, obviously, and understand what's going on there. And then come back with some type of a printout or a report that says, hey, here's all the areas that you wish to, that I think you guys could improve on. Sometimes they, they take that roadmap. Sometimes they don't. But yeah, I do that as well. Oh, well, that's really interesting. So that's something that I would recommend to a lot of businesses out there. Yeah. We've been in business for 20 years and we worked with Scott during the pandemic. Then we took some time off because David's father wanted to kind of get involved. But now we're back with Scott again. And I think that says a lot about <laughs> a lot about Scott. <laughs> so, yeah, um, absolutely does. Yeah. So, but I would highly recommend to the businesses that are below the one million dollar mark that at least get an audit. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, at least get an audit. There's no need to go because we went 15 years or so without really understanding 100% what we were doing with the business, you don't have to wait that long. <laughs> so get in there, take the advice. And then for the businesses that are one to 5 million, if you don't already have a CFO, definitely look into it. It's been great for us. And that's my recommendation. Well, thank you for that. And I'll slip you uh, some money under the table. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. And so then we do not help. Yes, we have, have a hand one, raised. I do have one question. <laughs> While we have you here, yes, Scott. sure. What for the small businesses that are listening? What are some common things that you see that maybe they're doing wrong, or common mistakes, or things that they can improve upon? Someone who's listening right now who thinks they may have it down, or maybe has no idea, and things that you have worked with a lot of your clients that you say, "Okay, we've been down this road before. I know exactly." Like, what are those things that that? businesses listening right now would be saying, thank goodness I listened to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the first thing I always see, especially with businesses that are just starting out, is there's a lot of confusion as to, you know, in terms of taxes, uh -huh. uh, in terms of what is allowed to be deducted and what isn't. Okay. Uh, now I'm not a CPA. Right. I'm going to throw that out there right now. Uh, although I deal with taxes quite a bit from a, a, a you know, business standpoint uh, of helping business owners figure that out. It's what I call the separation of church and state. Uh, so everyone starts a business and thinks, well, hey, I've got all this money coming in. I can use it really for whatever I want, which is true. It is your money. Uh, but at the end of the day, Uncle Sam wants his portion of that as well. Oh, so I always tell people, make sure that you maintain a business account and a personal account. Uh, it can be at the same bank, makes it easier to transfer that money back across when you need money on the personal side. But I see a lot of, uh, the most common mistake that I see for, for businesses that are starting out is that mingling of funds between, well, what is really business and what is really personal. Mm. Beyond that, it comes down to, uh, like I said, just getting a good financial software system to help keep track of that. Uh, in my case, it's usually QuickBooks. That's usually the, the big name in the room. So those are the two things that I see the most. And, and I had an uncle who unfortunately didn't listen to my advice uh, about 15, <laughs> 20 years ago uh, and was mingling the funds between business and personal and the IRS came down on him very hard. So mm -hmm. there's always that, that chance that the IRS, uh, you know, they just hired 85,000 new agents here. That was all in the news a couple of months ago 
designed to sort of, you know, hone in on the people, uh, hopefully not the small business owners per se, going after some of the bigger fish, I would hope. Right. But there is a chance that obviously when you go after bigger fish, you catch the smaller fish as well. So, exactly right. so really making sure that, hey, this is the business account. This is the business expenses. You know, I'm going to get a credit card. I'm just going to use it for business really separating out, well, what is business related versus what's the personal funds? Uh, that's the number one mistake most people make when they start out a business. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you. Are there any softwares that you recommend as far as like vehicle mileage tracking and gas tracking? Is there anything out there, you can, any app that a business owner could just install quickly and improve immediately? Well, it depends. Uh, a lot of times there are business specific softwares, uh, for your specific business. And there's a wide variety of those out there from project management system. You know, something to track the sales, something to track your employees' time, something to track your project. There oftentimes are add-ons that you can get with that. Obviously, Mileage IQ is one that comes to mind. I believe QuickBooks has their own sort of, if they haven't bought it already, it might be part of Mileage IQ. But QuickBooks oftentimes has several apps that, you know, obviously will tie into QuickBooks and make your life a little bit easier. But I always tell everybody, find a project management software system that does what you need it to do to run your business. And if you have a good accounting person, they're going to make it tie back to QuickBooks for you. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to leave us with as far as how people can get a hold of you, um, who your target market is, who's a good client for you? Well, I have a website. It's called www.brinzerconsulting.com. Uh, just so my face doesn't look like it's up on the uh, board at FedEx saying, you know, wanted or something like that. Uh, and of course, I've got uh, my phone number listed on there as well. But uh, I typically work with businesses that are, you know, one to $5 million. Uh, I do have clients that are a little bit bigger than that, some that are smaller than that. Uh, and for me, it's just the joy of getting to help someone else realize their dream. And again, most people start a business because they're really good at what they do. Uh, they want to sort of be their own boss, so to speak. And then they realize very quickly the headaches that come with it in terms of the financial aspect of it. Uh, there's even payroll involved. There's obviously getting insurances involved. Uh, so having, and there's a variety of accounting professionals like myself out there uh, that run the gamut of just general bookkeeping to being an outsourced accounting department to being a CFO or a forward you know, business consultant strategic thinker. Uh, so it's just finding somebody that you're comfortable with, uh, someone that who you think will add good value to your business uh, and allow you to fulfill your dreams. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, wait, we have oh. one more question. <laughs> uh, Lisa, how did you find Scott? He was in my husband's B&I. That's how we met, right? Yes. So they're in an amazing B&I together at River... Well, he was at River Creek. Now it's at... Tuscarora Mill in the basement. Yes. So, and you guys meet every Wednesday at 7.30? 7.30 a.m., yes, 10 yeah, a.m. So, and they're actually looking for some new spots available. Who are they looking for? Well, we have uh, within our trades industry alone, I know we have things like electricians. Uh, we're looking for a class A contractor. Uh, some of our health services divisions, uh, massage people, um, therapists, things like that. Mm -hmm. Within the finance division, I know we're looking for a CPA. Again, I don't do taxes, so I'm, I'm happy to hand off the heavy lifting stuff to somebody else. <laughs> uh, I don't even use, I don't even do my own taxes. I have someone who does them for me payroll people, but anyone is actually welcome to come out to our, our club, uh, free breakfast on me and really kind of see what the group's about. Uh, it is a dynamic group. There's a lot of money and a lot of business that gets passed through that chapter. It's one of the longest standing chapters, I believe in the area. I think they're hitting 20 years now. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so Wednesday morning, come on out, see what it's all about. And we're always looking, even if there is somebody in that seat already, you never know who 
could who's connect on their with way you, out. who's on their way out. But for instance, even though we've got a real estate agent in there, I'm sure our banker would love to meet more real estate agents. Um, the person who does the settlements would love to meet more real estate agents. So again, anyone is welcome. Um, free breakfast on me. Oh, wow. Well, can I, I mean, I'm happy to be a guest. <laughs> Thank you so much, Scott. It's just been wonderful having you here today. And I really appreciate all the amazing tips you sent out there for the audience and everything you do for us at Artisan Plumbing. Thank you. Do you have any other questions, Eric? No, I'm good. Thank you. Okay. Well, well, thanks for having me. This has been great. Scott Brinzer with Brinzer Consulting. And if you want to get a hold of him, you can find him at www.brinzerconsulting.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Bye. So glad. Oh, 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 oh,